I feel like we all need to become micro scientists mm -hmm. going forward because we need to understand how the nat natural world works. We are nature. And so like, so for me, I switched from people being this mm. less than to be to this unseen microscopic life form. Like that's, that's the least. And we just, we call it dirt. If we were able to reorient people's love and affection and kindness towards this microscopic community, which we, uh, like, if you want to learn how to do community, look at the soil. Mm. In 1874, the British government passed a series of laws called the Regulation of Public Worship. What? A lot of people cared an awful lot about church back then. True. On one side, people wanted more ritual and ceremony. Order. On the other side, they wanted mostly none. In the midst of the battle, one minister, a rector in London at a church called St. George in the East had stopped a practice whereby people who volunteered in church services could avail themselves of liquor from the rector's cupboard before and after the service. The Reverend King closed the cupboard. We have opened it again. Welcome to the rector's cupboard. Order. Welcome to Rector's Cupboard. This week, uh, we continue our three-part series of Rector's Cupboard on the Road. Uh, this July, several of us from the cupboard, Amanda, Todd, and myself, Allison, uh, headed to Calgary for a few days to speak with some farmers. Uh, last week, we spoke with Marcus and Sarah Reedner from Happiness by the Acre. And if you haven't listened to that episode yet, you should go back and do that. Um, on this episode, though, we're speaking with Rod Olson. Uh, Rod works with a ton of local organizations in the Calgary area. Probably he might say too many. Um, he's a certified nutrition farmer uh, with his own urban farm, Leaf and Liar. And so they do planting and overseeing urban farms in people's backyards throughout Calgary. Uh, he's also a founding member of the YYC Growers, which is a collective of independent farmers. And he began this as a way to help farmers make the process of getting their produce into the hands of consumers um, more labor and cost effective working together. Um, and the other thing that Rod does is he works with uh, an organization called Land of Dreams. And this is a community farm which provides newcomers to Canada with land and resources to grow things. Um, we met Rod at Land of Dreams, the farm, where he took us on a tour of the place and uh, taught us about the importance of soil health, spoke about some of the ways that we can participate in helping to heal the land. So, Todd, Amanda. And it's like, uh, hi. Hello. <laughs> and, and Land of Dreams is land an interesting dreams. name given the, the location <laughs> of this place. That it's it quite is, aspirational. It, you'd have to dream because it is that forgotten landscapes the forgotten urban landscapes that exist in highway interchanges yeah. you know it'd be as if like this big thing was on like a, an off-ramp of a highway in this We've case it's all not driven an off -ramp. past it and yeah. never looked at that plot of land yeah in yeah. this case it's not an off-ramp it's in between the two like, directions of a fairly major <laughs> yeah. highway in alberta and that's where the land of dreams is <laughs> So when you actually look at it from Google Maps, and we'll we'll put an image on 
uh, the Rector's Cupboard website under the episode. So you can see like where it kind of situates between these roads and you can actually see some of the ways that they, that, that um, they've organized the plots for each of the individual um, groups. Uh, so it's, it's very we interesting We should see. have looked at that satellite Do image you, before we drove there because we drove right. It's hard to I'm find. I'm sure it would have helped. <laughs> it's hard to find the thing that's literally in the it middle of everything. It was. So, I mean, just, just the geography was, was kind of amazing. And I know that in, in the interview with Rod that that's coming up after this, he, he kind of like lays out how much of the land that they were given. Like, I, I understand they were given the land from the city of Calgary to use for this purpose but the amount of work that they've had to do to make it usable soil is kind of extraordinary mm-hmm. well because of all the scraping and stuff you said for it's the high well yeah and one particular section used to be the road and so like they so have like to like concrete and stuff underneath that it's nothing. compacted it's kind yeah. of not really land in a way and yet here they're doing this thing mm-hmm. yeah which is kind of amazing and it's it's really interesting um the the connections that that are made so with with land of dreams it's it's uh newcomers to canada as well as um some indigenous groups that they work with um that they have these these plots where people can kind of plant whatever they want we he talks about how they they try to guide them and they've figured out certain things that maybe don't grow so well in in the soil of calgary that but it's an amazing way to connect communities back with something that that makes them feel like their home or like welcome to a place. Mm-hmm. So it was really interesting to kind of walk around and see these different, like they're like circular plots arranged in, uh, I think he called it a medicine wheel. So the satellite yeah, image not the is the traditional really cool. thing you would think of when you're thinking of like farm or the way we understand no. it in Western culture with just rows upon rows of things in a square plot. Um, the, the shape of it actually mattered and it was very intentional mm-hmm. um, and it kind of honored where others are coming from, um, which I thought was really beautiful. Did you get the sense too, when we were walking around there that like, if you looked from afar, I mean, we kind of mentioned sort of, it doesn't look like anything. Absolutely. I mean, I was looking through some of the photos that I took and it was like, it's a little this flat. doesn't really tell a story yeah. actually. Sometimes. And, and then he starts talking and telling you over here is this, this, is, these are people from Iraq that are, this is. Cameroon, yeah. The Yazidi women, the, like, and, and then you, I kind of thought, oh, this makes sense that it's called Land of Dreams. And you'll hear this in his conversation, those who are listening, that it is all, like the compelling thing is the people, obviously, all mm-hmm. the time. And he, he has these dreams, these visions for the land. But they're not only for the land, they're for the community. The it's about bringing people together. Mm-hmm. And so you, you kind of feel like you're entering someone else's, um, like, call and vocation and the thing they where, where they find meaning and kind of freedom and stuff it's and it's all land of dreams is perfect mm-hmm. it it's, fits. Uh, and then the soil oh my goodness the soil i mean he he was a pretty there were several times throughout our conversation where he goes i don't know how much you want me to get into this i don't know how much we're gonna geek out on this and he like, actually was like self-professed soil nerd yes yes and i mean the, the sheer amount of joy you could see in his face like i feel like his physicality changed when he started mm-hmm. talking about the soil. It's true. And it was, it was amazing. Like, but, but he goes, if we don't fix the soil, like there is nothing. But it also struck me like he's, he's a scientist. 
Yes. Right? Like he has a deep understanding of the biology of what it takes to repair soil and was so interested in it down to like the microscopic level. Mm-hmm. Um, and he possesses so much knowledge. And like you said, like it doesn't come across in a podcast, but it's like his entire being kind of lit up when he really dug into like the science and the ecology and what it takes yeah. to repair soil, not just well, maintain. He, I mean, what was also... I I found interesting in our conversation was even with somebody who has as much experience farming as he has, like, I mean, I, what did Marcus call him? The, the rod father. He's like the original urban farmer in Calgary. Like he kind of like started a thing and, Mm -hmm. but there's part where he talks at one point about, and I'm not sure whether this ended up making the cut so we can talk about it a little bit here. Um, some of the experiments that they're doing because they've they've been able to to get some of the soil of this this property mm-hmm. to to a place where it is healthy and the, it is alive as mm-hmm. as uh, Rod was talking about it that the soil's alive again. Um, but there's a huge part of the property that they haven't really been able to do anything with because they need to heal that soil first. And so he talks mm-hmm. about like the experiments that they're doing and they're like, oh, well, we're going to drill like down this farm, we're going to plant this because it'll start to get some of the mycelium out. And like, it's just, but he's like, yeah, we got to get creative. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's kind of amazing that even somebody with as much experience as he has, like there is, there's an element where it's a lot of trial and error. And I know Marcus also talked about that. Yeah, like that the the rate of failure, mm-hmm. like, man, you have to have a tolerance for that. That I, I don't know if I, I think between all three episodes, um, and the one that'll come after this yes. one, just around trial and error, failure, mental health. Um, it's kind of a crisis in our minds, like a TikToking um, yeah. idea of where the climate is going. Like there's certain themes and threads that go through all of them, but also like this hopeful nature and they wouldn't oh, yeah. be doing this work well, he, if they didn't believe that there was well, He talks about it, one yeah. of his dreams, what Mother Nature says to him. You can hear that. Yeah. Um, and curious with this type of thing that he comes from a background and you'll talk about this on the episode of church work. Uh, Mm -hmm. He talked about being burned out and some of that, um, his education, this kind of, and yet then you hear he is doing this now and it clearly is where he has found and is finding, um, his sense of purpose and help and everything else. And that goes right down to the, to, so you have these kind of, in church work, you have these guiding things and these central images, like the least of these, right? Mm. And so the least of these, he's never, you can hear it, never understood the least of these more clearly yeah, than he does, than he now. does now, but it's different than he yeah. than he did yeah. before. And it's fantastic yeah. and fascinating. So um, it makes you grateful again that there are people doing these kinds of things. There's much admiration we've mentioned already. Mm-hmm. We have. Mm-hmm. Um, but also shows a hopeful way forward in terms of what it means to, you know, for those of us who claim Christian faith to live this out. And it's, and, you know, feeling gratitude for, for formation and people who helped us along or whatever, but mm-hmm. it's so much more expansive maybe than we thought before. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so really, really grateful. Mm-hmm. It's great to and visit them. Yeah, yeah, and these are these are great organizations. I mean, we'll uh, link to all of his things. And there's ways that even... 
Uh, I mean, I think most of our audience is probably more local to the Vancouver area. But I mean, there's still you you can participate in YYC Growers does does fundraisers. I know they've had like T-shirts for sale and that sort of stuff. So if you're local to Calgary, we would definitely recommend like they have produce boxes mm-hmm. that help support people who are doing this kind of work that you can you can register for and you can buy directly produce from like YYC Growers. Um, but even for people who who aren't local to Calgary, there are ways that you can help some of these organizations. Mm-hmm. Like you you can buy some of their products that are not perishable and you can support them in other ways. Cause I think that one of the things is like, there are groups more local to Vancouver that are also doing some of these things, things, but there's also ways that we can help support some of these people as well. Mm -hmm. There's some great cards on the YYC growers. Oh yeah. And the art is really beautiful. Well, and I know that, that, uh, Rod's daughter does at least some of it. I'm mm-hmm. not sure if she does all of it, but if they get the t-shirt back, it's like, <laughs> yeah. there's this great vegetable t-shirt. So yeah, we hope that you guys enjoy this episode. We've got another one coming out in a few weeks that will be dealing with the yaks. yaks. The yaks. The yaks are great. But first the soil. But first the soil. There was a request for proposals from the province of Alberta to create a, an agricultural endeavor that was to benefit the community. And so I'd been working, I uh, worked for a long time in the Baptist world and doing kind of uh, refugee settlement at, right at that time, right during the Syrian crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, and so saw a lot of uh, folks come from agricultural backgrounds and we put them in urban settings and, oh. and say, hey, have a great life. Uh, so this came up. Um, that was part of it. I'm an urban farmer, um, the OG. <laughs> um, Apparently, yes. and uh, and then and then the other piece that uh, is part of what we do here is is a connection to the indigenous community, uh, and so those three things were kind of bouncing around in me, and and they they kind of became part of the the design for for this project. From a refugee settlement standpoint. They actually want newcomers to Canada to get the, the full story, the whole story of our Canadian history. And mm. um, and so that's one thing that we're pretty passionate about trying to do here. Um, and then together, shoulder to shoulder with newcomers from wherever you are on the globe, you know, working to, to kind of repair the land. So what we have here is a medicine wheel. And so if you did look at us from Google, uh, you would you would see a big circle with um, 32 circles. Each quadrant has eight circles in it. And so yeah, the medicine wheel being a central design to kind of create a sense of welcome and space for our indigenous community. Because we can always try and do things because we have good ideas, but didn't they already do that once? <laughs> yeah, that, uh, we didn't really think didn't things through. Didn't do that through. well. No. Um, but yeah, so then what we, we do is that each plot I mean it's kind of like a small backyard garden um, okay. so about 27 feet in diameter and so each each plot is kind of shared by a family or community groups um, so like there's six plots that are part of the Yazidi, Yazidi women from Iraq Saleh from Syria uh, Girmai from Eritrea this is Therese and Raphael from the Ivory Coast this is our indigenous ladies spiral so we got the three sisters garden there um, then we have cameroon and congo uh, senegal wow we have afghanistan the philippines mexico over here guinea and bhutan nepal 
When I was looking at the list, there, there are 20 different countries represented so far and you sign up. And, and so we're asking, you know, can you get out here at least once a week? We, we do get donations of seeds. A lot of them are really keen to, uh, to try and be growing some of their own food that they know and love. And, okay. and so like that, that whole kind of piece of eating familiar foods in yes. a foreign land yeah. is like mm -hmm. the fastest way to feel like you belong. Like the Yazidi women, um, they love a thing called purslane. It's a succulent green. It is a it is a weed here uh, in Alberta. It's kind of a slippery, lemony sort of tasting thing. They they see it and their eyes light up and then uh. they they popped it in uh, Baran popped it in her mouth and like you could just see like the yeah this tastes like home. This tastes like home. That yeah, familiarity. the familiarity, hundred percent. We're constantly trying to build a sense of community. Uh, so our three pillars here are like relationship to the land, mm -hmm. kind of number one, and then indigenous relationship. Um, we don't call it reconciliation. Uh, we got a, some work to do before we call it that. Um, and then relationship with uh, newcomers. Mm -hmm. uh, so building community there. At the beginning of this season, we, we have an old garden opening. Um, we have elder Herman Miniguns that comes and, and does a ceremony with us. We all gift tobacco to the land and um, and then basically a prayer for for the season. Um, and then we, we we try typically try and do a little bit more of indigenous education through the summer. But then there's always a kind of a final wrap up at the end of the season where you know. So I found out that the the women from Congo eat the pumpkin leaves. Oh, oh, yeah! I didn't know you could eat pumpkin leaves. I just right? realized they were edible. Yeah, so you just have to kind of peel off the, the the prickly bits. So they peel that off and then chop it up, and it's basically yeah, they kind of a sautéed greens and and onions, and so, so, so I've been you know slowly learning these oh, these yeah, ethnic dishes, yeah. and then like say like showcase like we want to showcase mm. that at our at our final mm. final so, feast, yeah. and and then get to know each other through your food culture, yeah. not just, you yeah, know, gar yeah. gardening well, side I mean, by side. Food is a great way to connect people. It is. Yeah. With the communities that you have here, you were talking a little bit about them kind of growing whatever they yeah. want. Yeah, yeah. Do you ever try to lead them down a path that might be a little bit different? Because like you were saying, that isn't, you know, they're trying to fit yeah. a desert ecosystem into right. this ecosystem, which isn't sustainable. Yeah. So, but, is there a gentle way that you try to? Well, you know, move I'm at, no? it's a great question because, and it, and it, and I've I've definitely been kind of morphing in my approach to it because I think initially, I just want to support people. Yeah. Um. And yeah. and they miss this food. Well, let's see. Let's see if we can make that happen. Yeah. 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 And so, um, so I'm a little too optimistic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but I, you know, I have figured out like, you know, watercress for the Yazidis and spinach, they love that. And then more purslane um, for, you know, amaranth, which is a weed here. It's, it's in our seed or weed bed. Um, we have wild amaranth. If I find one, I'll show you. But um, so I know that their amaranth is going to grow great here. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. it'll, it'll, so you can have certain things that you're like, some things, I can encourage yeah. you in this and know totally. that it will do well yeah. in yeah. this atmosphere. Well, and also soil. not kind of lead to eventual disappointment either. Yeah, exactly. And I and think experiment is one thing, but it feels like a fine line between like disappointment. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's where I've where I've come to. And, and I think even a little bit of 
they're like, you're the guy that's supposed to know stuff. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. But I don't know how to grow that. Yeah, I've never, yeah. never tried it. I'm, I'm always, and as a farmer, like, I am the guy that every year would buy extra seed just because he needed to try them. Right. Like, I like, and I mean, natural yeah. experimenter. Natural experimenter. Sense, yes. 100%. You know, it. so like, the other smart farmers are like, here's here's the crops that will sell and i've already made my sales and and now i'm done and now i'm done yeah yeah whereas i'm like oh no what if we try this we too much curiosity yeah. it's too much yeah. curiosity i think yeah or enough after talking about why land of dreams exists rod started to show us around i mean there's just so much possibility hmm. and there's we have we have 30 acres so like the fence line oh, wow. um and then you, it goes over to the fence line there yeah. Yeah. And then oh. and then actually stretches down past that clump of trees. Wow. So there's a lot of There's a lot of land. Space. But, That's a lot of land. but all of this land over there was scraped and manipulated in way. order to create the highway. Ah. So, so how do you, how do you so the soil feel that? The soil is completely disrupted. Yeah. Um and so we so this patch over here, we we did a, t a a conventional thing. We went in there, cultivated it couple times planted potatoes which is all our ancestors would have done and this because the potatoes helped break up the soil mm. well what ended, ended up happening is we had these spindly little potato plants that we I mean we were irrigating even mm. um, and three little potatoes under each one wow. and then you go with the fork and you can't even get your fork anywhere like it's so absolute it absolute concrete okay. over there and then i was looking at some older photographs and that was the road for the massive equipment so the compaction and it's stuff so in the soil is absolutely compacted how do you fix that well we get curious and <laughs> try some stuff and so yeah so we're trying so there's trials over there yeah so we're trying straw and if you look at the straw versus what's going on over here he's like already the straw is mm. is leapfrogging that soil forward like the soil is much happier doing that but the the point of what I was gonna say is that like this all of this land over there is is, is a lot like this so we've he's you know Matthew's dug yeah. up plots and so we can tell so like it's just really poor you guys and have so a this, lot of work ahead of you to well, get that exactly to do yeah. anything with to actually but, like, so we, I mean partly I'm just going well, well what are what is the do yeah um, and I think initially it was like yeah like just fields and fields of vegetables yeah but yeah, I, I, so, so but much. I'm but you've got to go. Okay, she's struggling over there. Yeah, she needs and some help. And so I, I basically want to do what Marcus is doing and do some mob stock grazing in that area um, yeah. because I think because like, one of the things that we like with the regenerative process, there's not there's not a functioning ecosystem that doesn't have livestock or animals that are part of it. And we're trying to currently we're trying to do it without it. And, and the province like we're not allowed. Yeah. Oh. But we do have go weed weeding goats. I don't know if you've heard of oh. this in yeah. Calgary. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, so they come in and weed different parks, and, and so I know I know the woman behind that company. I've talked to her about coming out here, and she's not opposed to it. And, and so it's just a matter of getting it happening. And then I think again, like this sense of home, most of our communities come from you know goat herding and yeah, and, mm. and there's sheep. animals there. Oh, that yeah, something about the familiar again. Yeah, exactly. And so then they'd be probably all over just being able to interact with <laughs> the the animals as well. That's amazing. Yeah. But, but so partly it's like I've, I've come in and so for like four years really trying to create the thing that I'm sort of envisioning. Mm -hmm. um, and I got into a bit of a, a snag last 
last uh, last year. Um, and I think kind of the learning for me from that was was really to yeah I've got all this privilege to have this creativity mm-hmm. and vision and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff and and what is the what is the vision and what do you know what does Gautier from Cameroon actually mm-hmm. want and his community um, well yeah so that's where we're, we're at now it's just really trying to build that community first mm-hmm. um, and then once once we have those relationships then it's like well what what do you guys see that could happen here so I'm like I'm, I'm talking about this shade structure I, I actually f- sort of see it as this like outdoor-esque yeah. community yeah. center mm-hmm. very much and so then like the 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 cameroon community association can use it the vietnamese yeah. association can use it and that's what's what's happening here is that a lot of the groups are our community associations ah, yes. and uh and so then what if they had a real deep sense of ownership of of yeah. this space rod also talked to us about some of the ways that land of dreams is used for things other than agriculture, in particular, the ways in which they partner with local indigenous communities. Um, so typically, last year we had a teepee up out there. Um, we neglected to get it down in time. Oh no. And oh. so the, the winds just like yeah. destroyed it. So we, we are about to kind of put one up a little closer to the garden, so it's not quite as far for people to get to. Um, but we've been working like with Adrian. Uh, so Adrian is an indigenous consultant here in town. Uh, and he and his son have been scraping the poles, wow. making new poles for for the teepee. Oh, they're beautiful. Um, and then he does some education as well. And so he's asked, like, can we use the space? And that, like, that's kind of, for me, a dream come true. Yeah, is that kidding. Is that, you know, I don't know if you want to put land back in your thing, but I'm, I do follow that movement and think it's an important, mm-hmm. an important one. Um, and so, like, if we have access to, to land, like, yeah. we have a responsibility to to share that yeah. and and so yeah so he brings kids out to, to mm-hmm. kind of learn how to to scrape hides and and uh do some of their traditional ways of of knowledge and yeah, yeah cool. so, so very happy to share that and and then part of that like because we have newcomers coming in as well as being able to educate them yeah. about about those practices mm-hmm. as well has been pretty pretty stunning then we got to the soil as we mentioned before, soil is really important to Rod. We know that we've got great kind of soil biology and life happening kind of at the intersections. We brought all of this soil like in and created all of these beds um, above. Like so, I put a layer of bark mulch to try and give some kind of nutrition to the to the landscape, and then put the soil on top. Um, but anytime you buy soil, it's dead soil. And, uh, and yeah. so you have to, you know, be in a process of, of waking it up and making it alive. And basically that the soil is a living ecosystem. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, if you ever hear the, the, you know, a teaspoon of healthy soil has more microbes than the population of the planet yeah. of, of humans. Um, it's, a, it's a process of trying to increase the vitality of, of the soil. And, and then that's kind of on me because I, and I'm probably doing it too many things in the project. Mm. <laughs> so I'm doing a lot of organizing and grant writing and that yeah. kind of stuff. And then I'm, I'm a certified nutrition farmer. And so like the, the ecosystem of the soil and what's going on is super important to me. And we've done some soil tests and, and I've got the plan. Um, the attention and time. Yeah. It's just Never enough of, hours. Not, not enough hours. And yeah. so that's where like, it's so glad that we've got Tish, Rob and Colin who are gonna do some of the composting. Because then I can go like, well, here's the here's the soil samples, and we so we need to up these uh, um, elements in the soil, 
And yeah. in, in the soil, the mycelium is what feeds the plants. So you can plant your, your thing here and the roots will go like 12 inches away. But if you've got good fungal yep. matter in your soil, you can then just like, connect to other things. Other, yeah, like things meters, things. miles away from where your plant is. Your plant can go, hey, I need boron. Yeah, I don't know how, how much you want me to geek out about the soil. <laughs> it does matter for everything. And, and if you've got a gap in it, your soil is only as functional as the gap. Right. Oh. Uh. So, so like it's, if you think of a wooden bucket, um, and one of the wooden panels is yep. gone, like however high that wooden panel is, that's, that's, that's all it. you can carry huh. yeah. in the water. So yep. once you fix that panel, you can, you've got a threshold. Yeah. And so like, so for me, I switched from people being this hmm. less than to be, to this unseen microscopic life hmm. form. Like that's, that's the least. And we just, we call it dirt. If we were able to reorient people's love and affection and kindness towards this microscopic community, which we, uh, like, if you want to learn how to do community, look at the soil. Mm. There's a lot of life. And wow. so that, like, so in my head, like, that's, that's what I'm after. Like, I want to see life in the soil. Mm -hmm. and, and plants and vegetables are, are a byproduct of, of that. So when, you know, when I was still doing backyard, farms i would tell people i'm a micro livestock farmer <laughs> you can't i'm see, interested in the soil you can't yeah. see my animals but yes. uh, <laughs> but they're there there's a lot of them hopefully rod talked to us about the importance of relationship with the land and how we can actually be active participants in that relationship well my most recent interaction with mother earth was uh was on a retreat and i had a bone to pick because i'm like i'm working my ass off here <laughs> And, and you're and not pulling your <laughs> Kind of. But you know what she said? She's like, I'm fine. I'm like, what? And you're like, doesn't feel fine. But, but then I'm like, uh, that felt so true. Like, oh. she is fine. Like, we're maybe in a bit of a panic. Yeah. But, but she's okay. Mm. And she will, yeah. she will always rise and thrive regardless of what we're doing. Mm. But... Why don't we get in, get on board with that and yeah, partner with that? It also gives you some perspective in that, I mean, I, we picked this up at Marcus's place as well. Um, there's too much to do. There is, you yes. You can't keep up, you can't, so you kind of accept that. Right? Yes. Just, there's lots to do every day. Yes. But it won't, it won't start yeah. kind of, Stop. that won't mean that the pile of work it goes down. That's right. It always goes up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, which is, what is it about us humans that are like, how can I do the least amount possible? Right. Where, when, when, and, and so as farmers, for sure, like we see the trajectory of like, you know, efficiency and mm -hmm. speed yeah. and, you know, and it, it, it kind of, it's, it's divorced from the natural system, mm -hmm. which is slow, which is, um, yeah, I mean, self-healing um, if, if we relax into it. Well, I mean, you even look at some of the stuff that, I remember when like the COVID lockdown first started and people would have reports about there's dolphins again yes. in the Venice canals and stuff right. like, oh, maybe if we just leave shit alone for a bit <laughs> yeah. and back off, yeah. walk away. There's, there's, yeah, a way in which like nature will heal yeah. itself when we stop getting in the way. I, I, I sort of agree with you, ah. um, but, but partly like, so our park system is built on that, like keep the people out. Uh, mm. And and then it will create this pristine nature, 
this pristine environment that you know hasn't been damaged by yeah. humans but but i think you know from an indigenous perspective they're like no we've been in relationship you are yeah. we've been in relationship to our whole lives and we yeah. know how to ebb and flow with it um yes. and so i think that's that's the that's the, the difference yeah. and and like if you, I mean, you spent time with marks and sarah you you see these people get it and they are like oh. devoted to kind of seeing those environmental outcomes happen oh yeah um, and and so like when so we can and that's why i say we need to be mini scientists is because we can actually partner we can absolutely partner the things that we do can catapult and, and I hope Marcus was telling you his story, like from yeah. 0.5% organic matter to 10, yes. 10 yes. to 12 in, yeah, in well, like fraction of the time that it's supposed to yeah. from, from science or leaving it be and that kind of stuff. So yeah. when you have someone that comes in and goes, I can, it like, requires more than we just can steward off. this. We yeah, we can, we can, yeah. And, mm. and I think the more, the more that we actually <laughs> understand what's actually happening, like it's depressing. Don't get me wrong. Um, yeah, Marcus but, but, was clear but, on that as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but when when push comes to shove, we are resilient, creative beings, and so if we can start to build those connections, so I think like I mean, Marcus, they are the like mycelial network. So like yeah, I know Marcus is yes, doing yes. his thing, and you know we yep. got another brilliant farmer up in Red Deer doing their thing. Um, I was just in a regenerative ag lab conversation. So there's a there's a big movement across Alberta where people are trying to talk about how do we increase people's awareness and, and mm. the outcomes and all that kind of stuff. And so I just see that like this this mycelial network is growing. And yeah. in, in the soil, the mycelium is what feeds the plants. Mm. So you can plant your, your thing here and the roots will go like 12 inches away. But if you've got good fungal yeah. matter in your soil, you can then just like to other things other, yeah, like other meters things. miles away from where your plant is your plant can go hey i need boron and then that triggers their network to go That's find the, the boron and bring it back to the plant and so like but we need to make sure that we aren't we aren't tilling the soil we're actually creating an environment where that fungal um, mm. matter can grow uh, and so lots of our agriculture you know, if we're tilling regularly, we are breaking the fungal, like that's the first thing we're doing is uh, we're destroying the fungal network. Marcus yeah. spoke about that a little bit, about yeah. Alberta actually stopping, or has stopped. Yeah, most of us have done, yeah. gone to zero till or minimum till. There, there's still a few farms that, I mean, because the equipment is quite costly. So mm. if you're oh. just- If you're deeply invested in it, it's hard to, it's hard to walk away from. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Because I think the, 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 the drill that you need to kind of seed into something that you're not cultivating is like a million dollars. That's the thing with like, as, as people who have no like agricultural, like knowledge and stuff like that, the, the sheer like financial side financial, of, agro of yeah. agriculture, like the equipment, the yeah. feed, all that sort of stuff. It's, it's on a scale that I think most people who don't know people who are farmers or who are yeah. engaged with that, like they don't understand what that means. Yeah. And so like, you're like, okay, well, it'd be great to shift over to grow. these things, but where is that money going to come from for yeah. the farmer who needs to now get rid of a bunch of equipment and yeah. then transition, transition over? And I'm like, yeah. well, let's see what we can do to, to help make that more feasible financially. Yeah. I mean, Marcus was talking about like some of the, the thin margins that yeah. farming has. And so when you're looking at switching over big equipment or changing things you're, like that's that's hard yeah, yeah. yeah you're, you're you are tied to a to a system and it 
But have you it's seen entrenched some? A little. You're in, yeah, you're like, entrenched. How long have you been doing this for, Rod? The urban farming and all of the yeah. things. Yeah. Well, I mean, so my background is I grew up on a farm in central Alberta. Okay. Um, and couldn't wait to get off the farm. Yeah. Like that that story. And uh, and then I landed in doing kind of church work and and then was out of Regent and got a oh, master's yeah, okay. degree. Um, yeah. And. Uh, and actually going through region, it was like uncovering some of like, you come in as who you are. And I think I was constantly trying to be something else. And so, yeah, it's like I rediscovered, you know, my love of music and singing and, and, uh, and then the yeah, other agriculture thing kind of just popped in my, mm. in my life. So it was 2010 when my brother-in-law and I started our little company called Leaf and Liar. Yes. And, uh, yeah, so it's that, be 13 mm -hmm. years back at it and then you said that this has been going on for like five where years. we are right now yeah but like so what sort of things have you seen change in the last 13 years as mm. far as what urban farming used to be like you talk about this mycelium network yeah and i'm assuming that's grown yes in the last 13 years yeah well i i definitely kind of on your own for a while what we definitely wouldn't have been doing the the regenerative ag lab which is you know province-wide mm. for sure like we definitely were kind of on our own we mm. er, early early on created a the YRC growers and so we just kind of at one point we're like we're exhausted we're like oh my gosh what are we doing this is insane and so i think largely the first thing was like yeah we need we need some sense of cohesion community mm. and just people that we can kind of re rely on and then and then you know there was an economic piece where we're like well maybe we can pool our resources and and uh you know not all have to pay for xyz right. because they're because of these margins yeah um and then that kind of morphed into YRC Grower is kind of doing its own harvest box. It's all local or, you know, within 100 miles. Okay, so yeah. Wow. yeah. We got a bit into some of Rod's history, what has informed him and led him to how he understands his role. You talked about being a steward of the land. Uh, so you grew up Baptist, is that? I did, yeah. Okay, so that word steward or stewardship meant something slightly different, I would imagine, then. It yeah. It points towards it. It but. does point towards it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we did talk about like, yeah. I mean, my grandmother is probably my the shining light. Like, grew up in the '30s and used everything. Right. Yeah. You know, there was went. there was no yeah. throwaway culture at all. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and when she's like a huge motivator for me. Mm. Yeah, like she she nurtured my ability to nurture plants. So if she was ever yeah. traveling, she invited me, like. I, I was the one that was brought over to take care of her house plants and stuff. Yeah. yeah. And that's, so that's in a way how it started. That is how I think that, yeah. I think how it started. <laughs> there is another story about when I was four years old and my mom's a city slicker. She was the, the daughter of a Baptist preacher, came here from Ireland to wow. save Canada, I guess. <laughs> How's it going? Maybe, maybe, maybe save themselves. How's the <laughs> yeah. I think they almost got it done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And so then you went to Regent. I did go you to Regent. Did you there thinking, thinking what? Well, how, what do you mean? Like, do you, you didn't think you'd be doing this? Oh, no, no, no. No, I, I had, I kind of had a dramatic Damascus Road yeah. experience and uh, that kind of launched me into doing like very dedicated ministry churchy work. Um, so I worked at a Bible camp and, and I actually burnt out. Yeah. Um, and 
and was invited out to right. to kind of BC to to take a position at the Kerry Hall, which is oh, right, oh, yes. yeah. <laughs> yeah. right next door. Yeah, right next door. So so I I lived there for four years. Um, yeah. And uh, and part of the deal was that you could get your master's degree at the same time, and so the the idea is that I would get my master's of divinity. But I think as I was going, I realized like I, I don't see myself doing pastoral right, right. work necessarily. So you don't need the MDiv, you do no, so I went down a more um, academic route and studied lament. Actually, mm -hmm. all the grumpy bits in the Bible. <laughs> yeah. And really kind of influenced by, I mean, they're, they're very Trinitarian theology is about community and, yeah. and uh, that kind of stuff. Really influenced by kind of, yeah, Christian communities. So you were there that. in early 2000s? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And now, I mean, this is the kind of place that some schools, I don't know, well, we're kind of not, we do work with VST and other places. And, yeah. And this kind of work is, is the work that, place like that are interested in like yes. saying oh here's this, here's somebody who graduated and they're out there right you know it used to be you know faith in the marketplace or yes, something that's right. now it's like that's right. let's have something better than the marketplace <laughs> <laughs> like you're taking these things and so it's interesting that yeah you have this kind of trajectory at that time and then yeah yeah i mean it's definitely definitely broadened having felt really like something about the call narrative like just was was almost like an abusive mm. thing for me and so I work, I've like, and I've worked my mm. self to the bones. Mm. There's there's layers to that conversation. I don't know if we yeah. want to get into this, but I'm happy to, to so share. So like, you're, you carry everything. It's like you're kind of called and set apart for this, and it's got to be church stuff. Then. Church stuff. Yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Um, yeah, and and like even even so, like even this project, like I when I was farming, like I was having these visions flash about the turn of the century and kind of the, the um, genocide of the First Nations people. And, and so initially, well, I think what I had trained myself to think is that like if, if I'm receiving this data, this information, it, it's inspiration. Like it's, it's from God. For something. Yeah, for something. Mm -hmm. And and so yeah, not, it, not for your personal kind of no, edification. No, no, no. It might it, it, it might meant, bring that too, but that's not the point. No, it, yeah. for it, for me, the interpretation is that this means I, um, God obviously thinks I can do something about it. Well, I have, happen to be a pretty sensitive, intuitive, mm -hmm. connected yeah. person. So, like, I'm you know deeply feeling the the genocide and reconciliation yeah. needs in our country. I'm constantly feeling the the exhale of mother earth and the environmental degradation and the oceans and the like blah 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 um so i'm like feeling that deep inside and then and then uh, yeah then working with with these newcomers and mm. and like just the trauma that they're through and like yeah like too much empathy you know not necessarily a good thing and no. part of it is just me kind of learning how to how to put that in the right place um mm. And, and the right place is that it, it's not God coming and saying, you can do stuff about this. I just happen to be one of the people that feels things really deeply. Right. And like, just let it flow. Like, but, but what I have done for 20, 30 years of my career is that I, I have taken those moments um, and then just tried, you know, worked my ass off to try and make a difference, make some kind of a dent. Well, it's clear from what we hear from Marcus and, you know, how many people you connect with and right. how much comes out of like this place or the places where you right and so that 
yeah, it, it's maybe more vocation than call, right? It's, right. It's not as it's not as uh, Which is oppressive of call. It's mm-hmm. flow more. <laughs> flow. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It can make it hard when you feel something vocationally, though, to know when you need to say no to things. Yeah. Particularly, you know, if you're connected and you do what you do well. Yeah. So it's hard to find those balances of, yeah, yeah. not wanting to get to another place of burnout, I would imagine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I think for me, like, where I'm coming to a real clear understanding of it is that, is that I think I was, like, I feel pretty inspired most of my life. You know, in, inspired with a little bit of grief and, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, Lament. on Lament. the side. Aside <laughs> helping. And, and, and because then I, when I look around, I see that people don't embody this sense of purpose or inspiration or whatever. So I feel quite responsible that, that mm-hmm. I need to bring that, that hope and inspiration to people. Yeah. Um, but, there, but realizing like that's an outflow um, and so where's, wh- what is the inflow? And so like, yeah. and that's where I'm really starting to kind of grapple with now is that like if, if this soil stuff does make me so ecstatic, um, <laughs> then, then I need to be a more of a craftsman. Like yeah. I can't let the busyness or the, 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 the different things that are pulling at me to kind of dis- distract me. Like if that's, if that's the thing. I need to get the microscope and, and we need to go because I think at one point because I'm so you know entrenched in a Baptist way like mm. one of the one of the things from growing up is like you know you want like oh, there's like a prayer I can't remember where it came from but it's like you know Lord break my heart with the things that break yours oh yeah, yeah and yeah. I'm like yeah I'm like it's broken. I, my, the, yeah, I'm there. The, yeah. <laughs> it's broken you can like turn off the tap yeah. uh. <laughs> like it sounds like with the soil stuff, though, one of the things that strikes me, and just hearing how you speak, you know, and you say if you're passionate about the soil stuff, and and, and like a craftsman, like a, that's a that's a way of life you enter into, mm. more than something you accomplish. Right. Which means it takes some mm. of that, you know, like it, it is uh, there. There are things accomplished. Yeah. But that's not really the. Well, I think you know, what what's coming up for that is is that um, it is about. It is about how we show up in the world, like, and so for me, like, what I was going to say about that, the the Baptist thing, like, you know, it, it's it's again like serving the least, this idea of you know going to the margins and serving those on the margins, which I mean we can get into the, um, the privileged right. position mm-hmm. that yeah. that, but you know, let's not worry about that. But I think for me, like recognizing. You know, the UN says we've got 60 years of farming left. So, and, and they're not doing anything magical. They're just looking at the, the graph yeah. of soil loss. And so if we're not actually doing things that improve the, the skin on the earth, we're, we're, we're helping it go in the other direction. And so like, so for me, I switched from people being this hmm. less than to, be, to this unseen microscopic yeah. life form. Like that's, that's the least. And we just, we call it dirt. We, we have no concept because we can't see it. But if we, if we were able to reorient people's love and affection and kindness towards this microscopic community, which we, uh, like, if you want to learn how to do community, look at the soil. Mm. Um, but that, so that's, that's kind of my that's thinking is, is it, can we, can we, and that's kind of what I want to do here. Yeah. Like, I know you come from a different country, and and you're yeah. you're str- struggling with trauma, and yeah. you got like. But if I can, 
open their eyes and I think I, I probably yeah. do need a microscope because yeah. then they can I don't have to do anything they, exactly. they, they can see it themselves yeah. um, but then to orient them to, to this idea that they can um, help nurture that life right. so like what I was saying before like we 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 actually can play a role in turning this around mm -hmm. uh, but we need to know how she works um, yeah we need people like you who understand that much better than we do to help us understand that Right. And are willing to ask. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's, it's understanding it. Clearly, you do a lot. But from hearing you, there's a lot you want it's to understand more. To totally, yeah. Like, it's, yeah, there's lots to know. That's so mm. good. Really well put. Well, thank you so much for letting us come out here and take your time and show Yeah. <laughs> In the months since this trip, we spent a lot of time reflecting on what we witnessed, what we learned from these visits and conversations. Rod's emphasis on the importance of soil has been one of those concepts that's really stuck with us. We think that there's probably likely other things that have also stuck out to you. Join us in two weeks' time when we conclude our Calgary road trip series with a visit to Jeremy Clyde from Alberta Yak Company and his beautiful yaks. Thanks for listening. Rector's Cupboard is a production of Reflector Project and is hosted and produced by Todd Weeb, Allison Williams, and Amanda Mina. Our cupboard master is Ken Bell. Rector's Cupboard is made possible by the generous support of donors. Check out rectorscupboard.ca for past episodes, events, and how you can help fund the podcast. You can also support Rector's Cupboard by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, which helps other people find us. Thanks for listening. Thank you.